You're listening to Shine On, a podcast presented by Solar Power Europe, the European Association for Solar Power. Join us as we shine a light on the latest developments in the solar sector. Hello and welcome to Shine On, a podcast presented by Solar Power Europe. I'm your host, Lucas Clark Memler, and in this new series, 100% Renewable Europe, I will talk with key figures representing different sectors of the energy transition about what is needed to reach a 100% renewables-based system by 2050. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with William Tots, Executive Director of Transport and Environment. So thank you for joining us today, William. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and about the mission of Transport and Environment. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually a Belgian and I'm a trained historian. So I, I ended up in transport by, by accident, but okay. I joined, I joined t 10 years ago and, you know, it's been, it's been one of the best decisions of my life. It's a, a great organization. You know, it's a growing organization as well. We have about 40 people working for us now. We got offices in Rome, in Madrid, in London, Berlin, we're opening an office in France. So. I think we're, you know, we're doing well as an organization and we're working in a very exciting space, uh, transport spacers, you know, lots of things are happening. Our mission, and, you know, we've existed for 30 years and our mission has always been the same. We are here to clean up the transport sector in Europe. We're here to clean up Europe's climate bad boy. And I think, you know, for the last 30 years, it's been, you know, it's been very hard work. Transport is, is the only sector that has seen its emissions increase you know, very significantly, whereas, you know, the power sector has been has been on, on the right track, the building sector has been doing good things. Transport is, is really the big problem. But I think we are nearing a, a turning point. And, you know, this might actually, this year might actually be, be the turning point where transport emissions, they will not immediately start to decline. You know, okay, there's a crisis, but then beyond that, they will not immediately start to structurally decline. But, you know, there's, the technology change that that we're seeing in in recent years, both in the passenger sector, in the passenger car se- segment, but also in the heavy duty segment, that's really it's it's phenomenal. And I think I think we are, you know, we're we're headed we're headed for a zero emission future, and that is that is exactly what we work for. That's great, and that's also a very good introduction to my next question, which is concerning the one hundred percent renewable Europe study. So, from your perspective, from let's say from the, the transport sector. What are the main benefits as well as challenges of reaching this 100% renewable study, the system? I mean, the benefits are, are extremely obvious, I think. The, the starting point for me is, is not, not even the environmental benefits. We are a continent that is completely dependent on oil and gas that we import from places like Russia and the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And I think both from, a, from an economic and, and, and simply from a security point of view, the, the benefits of not relying on those neighbors for something that is so vital to, to our economy, is those benefits are enormous. And I think, you know, we're, we're currently going through a, a, a huge economic shock and crisis. And, you know, one of the, one of the big differences between now and, and 2008 and nine is that the oil price is very low. And you know, ultimately, that is where we want to get. We want to we want to no longer be dependent on the price of oil and gas in international markets, and we want to rely on on energy that we produce here in Europe. So, solar, wind. And then, of course, the climate and, and and you know pollution benefits are are obvious too. It's you know the power sector is I think it's the you know it's the linchpin of the battle against climate change. It's where we 
where we win or lose the battle. And the solution to, to climate change from, from a technological point of view is essentially to electrify very large parts of our economy. And, you know, you always get those people telling you, but what, what about the coal plants? And, you know, sometimes that's, that's, you know, that's a little bit annoying because it's, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that we need to completely decarbonize the power sector. This is, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's the absolutely essential precondition for success, and I think the the study has shown very nicely that this is this is this is absolutely absolutely achievable. It's you know it's not without without its challenges, but I think it's been very exciting to see how in the electricity sector in in Europe, but also in the rest of the world, we've been, we've made so much progress in the last 10, 15 years. We've we've gone from you know a solar and wind sector that was completely subsidy dependent to a really vibrant sector that can compete with you know with with new projects with new coal with new gas but also with, with existing projects and you know we've got a we've got an electricity sector in Europe that, that that is cleaning up its act you know we'd like it to go faster but it's it's going in the right direction I think that's I think that's very very exciting and that is also really good news for us because what we work for in the transport sector in, in particular the road transport sector cars and trucks and vans is to go from combustion engines to battery electric you know electricity powered vehicles and you know those vehicles are already a lot better than than combustion engine vehicles even with today's electricity mix but we don't we don't want the vehicles to just be a lot better we want them to be zero emission vehicles and for that we need zero emission electricity system too excellent and that discussion of electric vehicles brings us very nicely to the next question because we found in our study that with a combination of direct electrification as well as renewable synthetic fuels the transport sector can reach 100% renewables by 2050. So we know that it is technically possible. But I'm wondering from your perspective, what needs to happen in the sector today to reach that goal in, in the next 30 years? It is it is definitely possible. And and I think that's also, you know, I've been with TNE for 10 years and, and I remember joining the organization in, in 2010-11. And you know how things have changed in ten years. Ten years ago, we had a white paper. I don't, I don't know if anyone remembers that, that infamous or famous transport white paper that said that we were going to reduce our transport emissions by sixty percent in twenty fifty. And people, people said, "God, you know how are, how are we ever going to do that? That's going to be so difficult." And right now, your study, as well as you know, a whole range of of, of other really good studies, show that yes, we can do it. Now, you know, what do we need to do? I think the transport sector is or at least the road transport sector is, we're fortunate in a way because cars and trucks, they don't have a really long lifetime. You buy a car, you sell it on to a second person, maybe that person sells it on to a third person, but after 10, 15 years, you know, that car is going to be scrapped. It's going gonna, it's gonna to go. The same thing with a truck. You drive it for 1 million kilometers and then you know it goes into the second-hand market and it, it, you, you scrap it. So Essentially, what we need to do is we need to make sure that the new vehicles that come on the market, that those vehicles are essentially electric zero emission vehicles, electric or hydrogen. I say electric, you know, I, 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 that includes both for me. And, you know, the real challenge here is, is, is going to be to get, I mean, there's, there's two things we need to do, essentially. We need to make sure that we got affordable, good quality electric cars on offer. So that not just, you know, the people that buy in the, you know, was it? BMW 5 or Model S sort of segment can buy an electric car, but also people that, you know, that buy in, in, in much lower segments can buy a good electric car. And there the CO2 standards, and I don't know how much you want to talk about, you know, specific regulations and, and laws, but the European CO2 standards are, are absolutely the, you know, the most important driver for 
you know, good, affordable electric cars coming on the market in Europe. And we're coming from a situation where around 1% or 2% of new vehicles sold in Europe were, were electric, and we're going to go in 2020. This year, we're going to go towards 5%, 7 8%, you know, really, really impressive sales in the first quarter. And we're going to go to 15 20% in 2025 and 30 40% in 2030. And that is, you know, that is only based on what that regulation requires. Of course, that's not enough. So, you know, we're going to have to strengthen that regulation and there's a number of other things we need to do. But fundamentally, you know, point one is about make sure people can drive an electric, can buy and drive an electric car. You want to drive those cars, you need to be able to charge them. And that is, you know, that's the second, and that, that's that's what's different. You know, that's that's the challenge for electric cars that, you know, even if you have a car that is that you can drive for three, 400 kilometers, which is, you know, what the ID3 and the Model, the model 3 will, will allow you to do, you'll still need to charge it. So that means you need a, you need a good fast charging network along the highways. You need a good public charging network as a, as a backup. People won't use it that much, but you know you need it as a safety net. But most importantly, we need to make sure that it becomes super super easy for people to charge at home and at work. And that's you know if you if you got your own house, you got a, you got your own garage. That's that's relatively simple, and that's the case for many people in the country that I live in, uh, Belgium. But if you you know you live in a country like Germany or Spain, you got a lot of shared apartments. And there are challenges with, with shared garages. These are, you know, pretty often pure, pretty bureaucratic. It's not just about money; it's also about changing the rules, per- permitting, etc. But you know, th- those are those are issues. But I think these are these are problems we can solve in the next 10, 15 years. They're they're not insurmountable. So you know, good cars and charging infrastructure. That's the that's the main thing. And it's for trucks. It's it's pretty similar, actually. I mean, it's different. It's professional business sector, but it's, it's, it's quite similar, vehicles and charging. Well, let's talk a little bit more about electric cars, because as you've mentioned, we're seeing more and more of these attractively priced vehicles enter the market, uh, as well as new innovations. So as a solar association, we like to talk a lot about uh, the exciting potential of solar mobility, which is where solar is used to supply electricity either through a direct connection or a direct supply contract. So I'm wondering if you can talk more about solar mobility or any other new developments in electric vehicles. I mean, there's 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 lots of innovation in the electric vehicle you know sector. If you if you just think about what's happening happening to batteries, you come from a situation where a kilowatt hour of of, of battery costs you one thousand dollars. We're going towards you know on average one hundred and fifty Tesla now tells the world that they they're paying they're paying eighty dollars per kilowatt hour. And that is all. That is all about innovation. It's about you know better better, better battery chemistries. It's about it's about scale. It's about you know, less cobalt. It's about you know much cleaner ways of producing the, the batteries. But there's other other types of well, of innovation as well. There's there's solar cars, cars with solar panels on their roof that gives you gives you extra range as you drive. I think the the main point is that you know if you if you look at the combustion engine industry, that's an industry that has had more than a hundred years to develop into what it is today. The electric car industry has only has only really kicked off in like you know ten years ago or so. So we are at the we're at the beginning of a revolution. And and I think that's 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 really very exciting. I think what I as a yeah not not just as an environmentalist but also as a European feel very strongly is that if Europe wants to compete if Europe, you know, if we want to keep keep our prosperity, if we want to compete in in the world of the twenty first century, then we need to lead in those technologies that are going to be super important in twenty first century. And I think battery electric vehicles are are 
you know, this is absolutely the future. The question is not whether this is going to happen. The question is how fast it is going to happen and who's going to, yeah, who's going to excel in those technologies. So that, that's something that I and, and also the organization that, that, you know, transport and environment that we feel very strongly about that. You know, it's, we need to win the sort of the innovation and technology race as Europe. Definitely. So perhaps to talk about sectors where direct electrification is insufficient on its own in terms of the aviation and marine sectors. We know from our study that renewable electricity can provide a base to produce renewable hydrogen as a platform for these renewable synthetic fuels, and that this is crucial for full decarbonization of transport. So perhaps you can tell us more about plans for decarbonizing these sectors and in general discuss more on the topic of renewable hydrogen and synthetic fuels. Yeah, I represent an organization and, and, and a, you know, a federation of, of NGOs in across Europe that, you know, we have strong feelings about aviation. The aviation sector is, you know, a fast-growing emitter. Of course, the, the COVID crisis, you know, temporarily puts a halt to that, but it's a fast-growing emitter that, that when it comes to climate, they really haven't, haven't done their, their fair share. They haven't done very much, actually. Now, I think a lot of us would, you know, would, would, would like the problem to go away. And, you know, we, we, we hope that Europe gets a better train network and that people can, you know, especially for short haul flights, they can take the train instead of, instead of planes. But I think we also, we also understand that the reality is that the vast majority of, of, of plane trips are not 500 or 800 kilometer trips. They're, they're longer trips and they're often to places where you don't have train connections and where we will never have train connections, for example, between the US and, and Europe. So like it or not, we're going to have to decarbonize the aviation sector and, that means that we need, yeah, we need a technological fix, and the only technological fix that is available for aviation is is essentially synthetic fuels on the basis of of, of renewable hydrogen, and because there, there's just you know physical limitations to what you can do with with planes because you know they need to go up, up in the air. There's you know the, the the highest safety standards apply, so we're looking at a at a fuel solution at a, at a drop-in solution. And there, I think hydrogen-based synthetic fuels is, is is the way forward. Now, change, and, and I think that's a really sort of that's a common theme in all in all in all our work. Change does not just happen. Technology change does not just happen. The solar industry, the wind industry, the electric vehicle industry did not just appear out of nowhere. It is the result of of many years of you know dedicated support and and and, and regulations and, and companies investing. And I think what we're completely missing in the aviation and also in the shipping sector is, is those types of, of public policies that guide those industries in the right direction. And so notably, if you, you know, if you want the aviation industry to start buying synthetic fuels, well, you, you'll have to force them because the aviation industry is, is ultra competitive. There's no way that a company like Ryanair is going to pay you know, even 1% more for its fuel than it has to. So the only way it's going to do that is if all its competitors have to pay the same price for fuel. And, you know, that's, that's, where, that's where Europe is, is at its best. Europe, you know, it can impose rules that are applied to all companies at the same time, so you don't have a competitive disadvantage. So we are hopeful that the Commission, as part of the, the Green Deal, is going to take an initiative to support and, and, and ultimately mandate the use of sustainable synthetic fuels in the aviation sector. You know, I'll maybe maybe pause here. There's 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 stuff to say about the shipping sector too. It's it's a bit different, but you know, the, the logic is similar. Definitely, and that as, again is a good feed into my next question, which you've partly already answered, but perhaps want to speak a little bit more on. 
which concerns the kind of support that European transport needs at either EU or national level in order to reach the Green Deal's target of climate neutrality by 2050. So you've already mentioned some of the regulations regarding aviation, and perhaps there are some other things as well that you'd like to, to discuss. Yeah. So the way I, I look at this is, the way we look at it as an organization, is that if you want industries such as the car industry or the truck industry, who you know for the last 100 years have been producing combustion engines and have been making a lot of money producing combustion engines, if you want those guys to transition to com- something completely new, you need to create a you need a mandate. You need to make it obligatory. But it is, of course, not enough to just say, yes, dear car industry, you know, from now, you know, in 2035, you need to produce 100% electric cars. That's 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 not enough. You need a whole number of supportive policies. And I think Europe is, is has actually gotten a lot better at that in the last, let's say, four or five years. I think what I find really exciting is, is the Europe's attempt to establish a, a, a battery supply chain in Europe that is partially about you know public support to you know for building battery factories uh, cell manufacturing it's partially about creating a regulatory framework for reuse and recycling so it's it's a mix and, and ultimately this is I think what, what it is industrial policy and industrial policy has many components so what I'm also quite excited about is that the the, the recovery plan that the commission issued this week uh, with you know really a revolutionary uh, amount of, of new money becoming available at, at European level to, to get us out of this, this this crisis, that a lot of that money is going to be available for charging infrastructure, for batteries, for you know transforming transforming factories, production lines, retraining people. And you know we'll, we're gonna need all all of that, not just to complete the transition, but also to be able to yeah to to win the, the technology race against those other companies and, and, and regions that are that are competing with us, the Chinese, the Californians. So it's 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 whole list of things, you know, CO2 standards, infrastructure investment, battery investment, and yeah, and, and R and D because you know this is this is a sector that is that is going to continue to have to innovate. No, that, that that's helpful and that provides a good sort of roadmap as well for the years ahead. We received a lot of questions from attendees of our webinar on the 100% Renewable Europe study. So I'm wondering if you'd be open to answering one of these audience questions. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. I'm just going to open the document and find a transport-related question. Okay, here's one I think you've partly touched on, but maybe uh, it could be spelled out even more explicitly. What are the benefits of substituting a traditional internal combustion vehicle with an electric vehicle? So quite straightforward. Yeah, that's an easy one. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a, an electric vehicle evangelist. I, I don't. I don't actually have an electric car. I don't. I don't have a car. But the benefits of electric vehicles are really quite quite significant. First, you know, they're better cars. They're ni- They're nicer to drive. You know, they got good acceleration. They're silent. They're clean. You don't have to go to the gas station. You're. You know, you drive out of your garage every morning. Your car. Your car is full. So I think from a you know from a user point of view, a lot of people think that electric cars are from a user point of view they're a step backwards. No, they're they're a huge step forwards actually. And then if you you know you think about the climate and, and, and energy and pollution benefits, they they are they are huge. If you you know an electric car in Europe today is three times better from a climate point of view than a combustion engine car. So 
you know, I think if you if you care about the climate, if you care about the environment, if you care about your children, the best thing you can do is get rid of your diesel or petrol car and buy yourself a nice electric car. You're right. That's a, a very, very concise and convincing way of putting it. As a final note, to sort of end on a, a positive, fun note, I wonder if you can recommend to our listeners a book or documentary or television show or something that shed some light on the current energy transition or the, the future of mobility or, or something that you just find sort of generally inspiring in this particular area? Okay. I mean, there's there, there's two two books that that immediately come to mind. I, I, I think that one of the, the most interesting books and also one of the most influential books that, that I've read is The the Entrepreneurial State by Mariana Mazzucato. And it's a book about essentially about how to do innovation and industrial policy. And I think, you know, if you're, if you're interested in clean energy and clean mobility, this, this book is, it's almost essential reading because Mazzucato explains how all those amazing innovations that we all know about the, you know, the iPhone, the internet, you know, all the, all those, all those great things that we all use in, in our daily life. You know, none of those innovations just happened. There was years and years of research, but not just research. It was also, you know, governments buying computers and, and investing in the internet when it wasn't competitive yet. It was, you know, it was public support. And, you know, that, that is, that is exactly how we need to think about the, the transformation of our economy, because there's there's no way we're going to completely decarbonize our entire economy in the next thirty years if we don't have a you know a, a, a proper industrial and innovation policy to accompany it. So I think you know that's 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 one great book, and then another one that I uh, that I just particularly like as a historian and as as you know as somebody working in the transport sector is a book called The Prize by Daniel Jurgen bit older but it's it's essentially a history of the oil industry and it's a great read but it's also you know it's also such a, a great explanation of how the oil industry and, and and petroleum has powered the you know history for the last you know maybe 100 150 years 100 years and you know the challenges associated with you know completely changing you know the, the fuel that has powered our economy and and you know that it's it's in a in a way it's you know it's sort of what what a challenge but I also find it very motivational because you know that's that's the scale of what we're trying to achieve we're trying to completely change the economy and and, and the way you know the way it's powered and uh, yeah that's I, I, that's a very good book excellent those are two great recommendations I've just added them to my list well thank you William that was a very insightful and interesting discussion and uh, grateful for your time thank you so much Lucas All right, goodbye cheers. Solar Power Europe's report, 100% Renewable Europe, explores efficient decarbonization for all sectors of the economy. It finds that while direct electrification is the best solution to decarbonize road transport, it also provides a base to produce renewable hydrogen as the platform for renewable synthetic fuels, which are needed for the aviation and marine sectors. Read the full report and find out more about Europe's future energy system at solarpowereurope.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, shine on.